श्रीमद भगवत गीता इज अ ब्यूटिफुल टेक्स्ट ब्यूटिफुल फिलोसॉफी द एसेंस ऑफ ऑल द स्क्रिप्चर्स स्टडी ऑफ दिस भगवत गीता विल मेक अवर लाइफ कंप्लीट द विजडम विच इज गिवन इन भगवत गीता विल मेक अवर लाइफ कंप्लीट एंड फुलफिलिंग एज मैंशनड एस्टडे इट गिवज अस द प्योरिटी ऑफ अवर हार्ट इट गिवज अस अ सब्लाइंग विजडम ऑफ वननेस एंड ऑल्सो इट मेक्स ऑल अवर एक्शन मोर एफिशियंट the background of this bhagavad gita is the mahabharat as our gurudev says on the canvas of this mahabharat is painted this beautiful philosophy of bhagavad gita also gurudev has mentioned that uh, since our life is uh, full of conflict full of strife full of obstacles the philosophy should be something which teaches us how to face this battle of life so it is a appropriate canvas to teach this sublime philosophy sometimes it becomes easier to go in the himalayas to sit in a cave or in a very secluded place and to meditate to contemplate on the higher truth but to face the ups and downs of life and to express or to follow this path which is indicated in the scripture is more difficult but it's not impossible so bhagavad gita teaches us a technique by which we can follow this path it is not just a utopian idea we can follow this path of the gita way of life while living in our day to day world therefore the background of mahabharata is there but little bit story of mahabharata just to get the picture clear Mahabharata is one of the most uh, wonderful epic it's the largest epic in the world about 1 lakh shlokas are there in Mahabharata it is uh, composed by Ved Vyas ji but actually the writing was done by Lord Ganesh himself because when Ved Vyas ji thought of this entire Mahabharata he wanted to write this history for everyone who will come later on to remember and learn from it not only the history but also the teaching which was available during that time he wanted to put it into writing and wanted a, a you can say a stenographer and he requested lord ganesha to be the stenographer lord ganesha accepted he said yes i will write 
but on one condition that you should continuously dictate should not stop if you stop in between then i will just leave my pen there and go away ved vaidyi agreed but he also laid one condition he said that you don't write unless you understand it not like our notes sometimes you understand what i am saying and then you write so there are all that is said in mahabharata is understood and is accepted by lord ganesh who is the goddess god of knowledge and wisdom also there are some complex passages in mahabharata wherein ved vaidyi got some time to think about what else to convey he got some time because even ganesha stopped and wondered what is the real meaning behind this shloka and he got some time mahabharata is a is also considered as pancham veda veda means knowledge mahabharata is a book of knowledge it's an encyclopedia it is not only the history of pandavas and kauravas and their war but it also talks about the various philosophy it talks about the worldly things also about rajaniti how to rule a kingdom how to be a good leader beautiful passages are there wherein bhishma pitamaha vidur and other great uh, thinkers they convey beautiful messages mahabharata also talks about the world of science of literature of economics of of astronomy astrology so many things are there therefore it is said some thinker has said about mahabharata that what is in mahabharata is there in this world and what is not in mahabharata is not there anywhere everything about even human psychology is depicted in mahabharata see when we read ramayan we come to know what is the adarsha ideal way of living but when we read mahabharata we also come to know what is the what is the day to day reality what is the way people are there the variety of beings are there in this world the good the bad the ugly everything is depicted in mahabharata i won't go into the details of the story but let me begin the story so very interesting you must have also seen it on television and many of you must have read it also so many beautiful books are there the entire mahabharata as well as uh, concise uh, mahabharata books are available uh, let me begin the story with king shantanu he was a great king of hastinapur hastinapur is a place in and around delhi haryana this region only so we are sitting where this great mahabharata characters is to move around even the indraprastha is here in delhi shantanu was a great king and he used to rule this kingdom hastinapur which was formed by his uh, uh, forefathers 
established by his forefathers shantanu came in contact with ganga mother ganga appeared in a particular form so lot of the stories are symbolic so now you just listen don't ask me any question how mother ganga came in a particular form and all now just listen to the story like a child listening to a story it is good so mother ganga appeared in front of him he was uh, very much attracted to ganga he married her a lot of children were born but they all uh, were immersed in the ganga only but only one child remain and he is bhishma pitamaha so bhishma pitamaha was the son of ganga therefore we say ganga putra bhishma hmm and bhishma would have become the next king and the, everything would have been very good okay but just as all good uh, stories have a twist unless there is a twist uh, story is not a very good story so what was the twist a ganga left and went away and uh, shantanu was left alone he was with his son but then he got attracted to another lady satyavati from satyavati ha he he wanted to marry satyavati and have children but that satyavati and her father they said that already you have a child and if you want to marry me and if you have want to have children then my children should become the king my child should get the kingdom and this father felt so bad he said how can i do this bhishma pitama he is my child and he is the eldest he should inherit the kingdom how can i uh, allow anyone else to become the king so he, there was great dwandva uh, in his mind he had that great attraction to satyavati but at the same time he could not promise this but bhishma pitamaha he came to know about his father's uh, attraction to satyavati he went to her place and he promised to her father and her that i am renouncing this kingdom i will not take the kingdom this is my promise bhishma pitamaha is known for his promise for his vows and that is one of the most important uh, phenomena of uh, our culture hinduism even in ramayan they give lot of importance to promise that whatever word you give should be kept like in uh, ramayan it is that famous uh, sentence is there ragukul reet sada chali aayi प्राण जाए पर वचन न जाए दैट वचन इफ आई से समथिंग देन आई शुड कीप माई प्रॉमिस एंड बिकॉज ऑफ दिस ओनली दिस महाभारत वॉर हैड टू बी फॉट बिकॉज समबडी डिड नॉट कीप हिज प्रॉमिस वी विल सी हू दैट समबडी इज सो भीष्म प्रीता महा टू का वाव दैट आई विल नॉट गेट आई विल नॉट आई विल नॉट टेक द किंगडम 
but then the father said in satyavati said that oh you might not take the kingdom but later on you will get married and your child your children will inherit the kingdom that time he took another vow a very powerful he said i will not get married i will remain brahmachari throughout my life so there is no question i myself will not inherit the kingdom and my children will not be there so there is no question this was a very powerful vow and when he took this vow even the gods were amazed and from that time onwards he was known as bhishma bhishma means the one of terrible life powerful <coughs> so when he took this vow satyavati got married to shantanu and uh, two children were born chitrangada and vichitravirya chitrangada was the eldest son so after shantanu passed away chitrangada became the king of hastinapur and bhishma pitamaha was all the time there as a guiding force as a powerful uh, uh, protector and a very wise person with lot of great values which he is to follow in his life but chitrangada he had a battle and in that battle with uh, some gods or someone he passed away so when chitrangada died uh, vichitravirya became the king it's all about the king huh? who inherited hastinapur i won't come down to the present uh, but we'll stop at that period itself so vichitravirya became the king but he was young so bhishma pitamaha he ruled the kingdom on his behalf he took care of everything all the all the affairs when Chit- this vichitravirya uh, was to get married bhishma pitamaha himself he went in search of a good bride for him in one of the kingdom there was a what you call that swayamvar was happening just like you must have heard about sita ji's uh, swayamvar also so in those days swayamvar was the pratha was the tradition the girls had the uh, choice to choose huh? even now i think they have uh, so this swayamvar was there and bhishma pitamaha went lot of other princes and all had gone there for swayamvar bhishma pitamaha went on behalf of vichitravirya and he won that swayamvar and he won over three uh, that princess were there amba ambika and ambalika this is all fresh in my mind because i read this mahabharata again to refresh my memory so amba <coughs> ambika and ambalika and bhishma pitamaha took them and he was coming back to hastinapur on the way this amba told him that see you have won us over but i am in love with some other person 
and it will not be right for me to get married to this uh, your that vichitra virya because i am in love with some other person and it is not fair so bhishma pitamaha being a very righteous person he said yes that is fair enough i leave you you go to that person that amba i will just tell little bit of that amba also so amba went to this uh, person whom with whom she was in love but that person rejected her he said you are already won over by in the in the swayamvar by the other person how can i get married to you so she got real uh, uh, dejected she came back to bhishma pitamaha and she said that uh, you marry me she said but i have taken a vow not to get married and uh, there was bit confusion about it so she took a, a vow there that i will be the cause for your death i will destroy you see lot of this type of stories are there in mahabharata so this amba she died to be born again as shikandhi and the shikandhi was born as a <coughs> as a female then again it she is to turn into a male then again is to turn into a female and all and the shikandhi became the cause for bhishma pitamaha's death taking shikandhi in front arjuna shot arrows on bhishma pitamaha otherwise it was not possible to kill bhishma pitamaha anyway so ambika and ambalika they got married to vichitra virya and through them dhritarashtra was born ambika gave birth to dhritarashtra and ambalika gave birth to pandu the father of pandavas <coughs> dhritarashtra was the eldest child so according to the tradition he should have inherited the kingdom but unfortunately he was born blind and a person who has got any defect cannot become a king they should have this thing even now if you have some criminal records or if you have some defects and it's true because you can't be ruled by a criminal so if you have a, a some defect that person cannot become a king though he was the eldest and according to another tradition the eldest inherited the kingdom so dhritarashtra could not become the king and that remain in his heart maybe and pandu became the king and he ruled the kingdom for some time pandu dhritarashtra got married to gandhari gandhari was also a very great lady see in mahabharata there are this various characters and if you study them they are quite fascinating characters are there gandhari also was a great lady and when she got married to dhritarashtra she said that since he is blind and he is deprived of all the all the beauty of this world the colors the forms and since i am his wife i will also accept this blindness willingly 
So she started wearing that patti around her blindfold, Gandhari. So through Gandhari, Dhritarashtra, he had hundred children. Hundred. <coughs> and Pandu married Kunti and Madri. Through Madri, he had, or through Kunti first, he had uh, Yudhishthir, Arjuna, and Bhima. Yudhishthir, Bhima, Arjuna. And through Mandhari, Madri, were born Nakul and Sahadev, the five Pandavas. But before Kunti's marriage, another child was born, and he is Karna. So Karna was the eldest, but Karna himself did not know that I am Kunti's son, and uh, others also did not know, other Pandavas also did not know that uh, we have an elder brother. De- just before the war, Kunti went and declared this to uh, Karna, then he came to know. And there he took a, another promise that I will not uh, uh, I will only kill Arjuna, if at all, and not any of the Pandavas. So you will have your five sons intact. Either I will get killed in the battle, or Arjuna will get killed. You will have your five sons. So Karna was born, and these five Pandavas, and slowly they grew. And Bhishma Pitamaha appointed Dronacharya to teach them. So Dronacharya was a great archer of that time. He was a very powerful, he was a Brahmana, but at the same time, he was a great archer. So powerful that uh, he was known all over the, all over the place. Bhishma Pitamaha also knew about him. So he appointed him to teach all these children, 105 of them. Uh, the Pandavas as well as the Kauravas were taught by Dronacharya, the, the science of archery and other things were also taught. Bhishma Pitamaha himself is to teach them about life, about dharma and all. But um, Dronacharya taught them this archery. And when he was teaching, he found that uh, Arjuna was one of the best student. He was a great archer. Bhima was very good in, uh, he had a powerful body, so he was very good in uh, wrestling and also in uh, that uh, Gada Yuddha. Hmm, maze. Yudhishthir was a very, very righteous person. He was in love with dharma. He is to follow that path, these virtues, very sincerely. And all the Pandavas, they had great regard and respect for Yudhishthir. So all the children were growing, but as they were growing, Duryodhana was uh, getting more and more jealous of these Pandavas. Because they were proving themselves to be better than him in so many all ways. And deeply he knew 
that Yudhishthira being the eldest, he will inherit the kingdom. I hope you are not getting bored, huh? This story I will continue for some time till we reach Bhagavad Gita, huh? So Yudhishthira being the eldest, he will inherit the kingdom. So Duryodhana was feeling very jealous. See, through this we uh, are given the, the, the picture of Duryodhana, picture of Yudhishthira. Actually, the hero of Mahabharata is Yudhishthira. And the villain of Mahabharata is Duryodhana. Yudhishthira represented dharma. And Duryodhana represented adharma, the path of unrighteousness only. Duryodhana, out of his jealousy, many times tried to kill these Pandavas. And he could not succeed. Once he poisoned it, Bhim also. But because of his robust, you can say, health and all, he did not, it did not affect him. So as they grew, one day, when they became uh, of their age, um, our Dhritarashtra and all declared that uh, Yudhishthir as the crown prince. He will become the king in future. So this brought out all negativities in Duryodhana. He was quite furious like. He approached his father and father had one weakness. Great attachment to his, his children, especially to Duryodhana. Whether he is right or wrong, he is to be totally attached to him. Duryodhana said that, oh, I want the kingdom. And Duryodhana used to say all sorts of things and Dhritarashtra used to listen to him. Great attachment. So when Yudhishthira was declared the crown prince, Duryodhana could not tolerate this. And he planned various ways of killing this Pandavas. See, this will bring out the whole uh, character of these Kauravas and the Pandavas also. Then we will know the meaning of Dharma and why it is so important. It was important during that time and it is important even now. Dharma is, is it includes, as I said, lot of things. Dharma includes our duties. Dharma includes the law of that country or nation. Dharma includes all the goodness which, which we understand and which is indicated in the scriptures. Dharma is a very powerful uh, term. So when you, Duryodhana tried all methods and he could not succeed, he developed a scheme. He was a great, uh, this, you know, thinking about how to destroy and all. He decided to build a house made up of lac, hmm. oh, wax-like thing. And he, uh, Dhritarashtra also knew about it. And they sent these Pandavas to that house, along with uh, Kunti, these Pandavas went to that house. And they did not know. And the plan was, when they reached that house, at night to burn that house and burn all these Pandavas. So they went to that house, but because of 
Vidhur, they came to know about this plan and they escaped from that house. The house got burnt, someone else got burnt in that house and everyone came to know and they thought this Pandavas died there. And they left this place and started staying in some jungle as Brahmanas only. They said, forget about this kingdom and forget about all this war and jagada. Let us just lead a peaceful life like a Brahmana. Why to fight unnecessarily? So they never wanted any war, they never wanted any conflict. So they stayed in the forest. During that time, again another swamvar happened. And this was of Draupadi. Draupadi was a prince, I mean that, uh, what do you call that, Miss Universe type. Huh? A great, very beautiful lady, but of a powerful character. One of the most powerful character in uh, Mahabharata, woman character, is, uh, is Draupadi. Wonderful. Even Bhagwan Krishna, he had great uh, uh, regard for Draupadi. And she also had great love for Bhagwan Krishna. So Draupadi's uh, Swayamvar was there and they had kept a very difficult uh, um, task. There was some moving fish or something, a mechanical fish moving and you have to look into the water below. Uh, at the reflection of that moving fish and to hit that fish. Some, some, this type of complex, uh, lucky they don't have such thing now. Otherwise, uh, many would remain without marrying only. <laughs> so this uh, type of, uh, swamvar was there and lot of people came, prince came from various, uh, land. Even Duryodhana went there. Karna was also there. And these Pandavas in disguise, I mean as Brahmana, they also reached there. And when everyone failed, uh, Arjuna, he approached there. And they thought he is a Brahman, young Brahman boy. And they said, okay, if you want to participate. So Arjuna came there, he took his bow and arrow, looked into that water and with one one shot only hit that target and people there were amazed all the brahmans who were there they also were very happy they started clapping and big hallagulla was there in that assembly and everyone was very happy and draupadi was um, uh, what you call she got uh, married to arjuna and they went back to their place. And Krishna Bhagwan was also there. Balramji was also there. Krishna Bhagwan, since uh, he is Sakshat Bhagwan, realized master, when he saw these five people and Arjuna and all, he came to know that they must be Pandavas only. So he followed them behind. He went behind them. So when uh, this uh, Pandavas reached their home, Kunti was inside and Arjuna was very happy. He brought this Draupadi and before entering the house, uh, he called. This, everyone knows that, oh mother, I have brought something, a great thing. So mother, without looking, 
therefore mother should look first so without looking what he has brought because of whatever they is to bring she is to tell them to share so she must have thought something nice thing he must have brought let them share so he said whatever you have brought share it with all all the brothers you share so draupadi got married to all five pandavas hmm and they lived uh, bhagwan krishna reached there he came to know about them then uh, when they got married to this draupadi they developed that relationship with drupad also who was a great king so with the help of them they got some real strength and they decided to again come back to hastinapur and reclaim the kingdom and there was great pressure on dhritarashtra also bhishma pitamaha and everyone suggested that you have to give this kingdom to to the pandavas so un not willingly he said okay and then he said we will divide the kingdom so hastinapur was given to duryodhan and his brothers and a new place was given to them khandoprastha to the pandavas which was totally barren useless ground they said okay uh, you rule from here and we will rule from here so everyone will be happy my children will be happy and you will also be happy when they got this khandoprastha they converted it into a powerful beautiful kingdom very prosperous with their effort they converted this barren land into a prosperous kingdom and it was so powerful that it became more prosperous than hastinapur again drona duryodhana came to know about it and he again became jealous he said he desired to obtain that kingdom also so he decided all sorts of schemes in his mind little fast forward the story huh all schemes he started deciding in his mind and then he took help of his mama mama ji ke ha shakuni mama he was expert in dice and all so together they plotted a plan of inviting yudhishthir and challenging him on a game of dice now this is another tradition and of a kshatriya dharma that if they are challenged they have to accept the challenge Huh. so yudhishthira was challenged to play a game of dice and he accepted and the game of dice began there in the court dhritarashtra bhishma pitamaha dronacharya and they are playing this game and the game of, and the shakuni he was a is a very corrupt and a very uh, negative person and he had some magical dice like that whatever he he was expert in it whatever he intended that number came so he played on behalf of duryodhana and yudhishthira played and unfortunately yudhishthira kept on losing then they started betting yudhishthira uh, betted his uh, whole kingdom also and he lost then he uh, kept on da- what you call all the brothers also ha huh. see when one starts gambling then always that strange thing is there in gambling that one feels that okay i will win now i will win 
hmm, and they keep losing everything. So he betted his brother, he lost his brother, he, he lost himself. Then he even put Draupadi on the, I don't know what it is called, hmm, stake. Huh? And he lost Draupadi also. That time Duryodhana told that Dushyasana to bring Draupadi. And she was uh, dragged by her hair. She was brought on the in the in the in the darbar, and she was insulted. She was the daughter-in-law of that family uh, and uh, sister-in-law of um, Duryodhana. All these great elders were there in the darbar. They could not do anything. It was a very strange uh, situation. Bhishma, Pitamaha, Dronacharya, Dhritarashtra, all of them were there. And Draupadi was brought. And she was insulted. They tried to, Dushyasana tried to remove her dress also. But she was luckily saved by the blessings of Lord Krishna. But that time it was a terrible situation. And uh, even Bhima, he took some vows, terrible vows. In the in the darbar, that uh, I will kill this Dushasana and drink his blood and all those things. Different type of vows they took. They were all all happy because here a woman was insulted in the in the darbar and nobody did anything. And this was the cause for it became the cause for this war. It is said in the scriptures that when a woman get insulted, the whole nation collapses. The whole uh, country collapses. So here Draupadi got insulted and nobody did anything. And Dhritarashtra was shivering with fear. Then suddenly he took charge of the situation and he asked for forgiveness from Draupadi. And he said, please ask for three boons. So Draupadi says that in my first boon I want Yudhishthira to be released from his bondage that he is lost, but he has to be released. Give freedom to Yudhishthira. So Yudhishthira was given freedom. Then in her second boon, she asked for freedom for the rest of the Pandavas and herself. Then Dhritarashtra asked her, asked for the third boon. She said that once these Pandavas are free, I don't want to ask anything more. They will take care of everything. So they got that freedom. They went back to uh, Indraprastha. But uh, again that scheming was happening in Duryodhana's mind. See, when a person follows the path of Adharma, then he keeps on following it till he reaches rock bottom. And to fight this Adharma is the only way to establish dharma, to destroy adharma is the only way to establish dharma. So Duryodhana kept on doing all sorts of negative things. Again he called Yudhishthira for a game of dice. Yudhishthira had to come again. And this time they kept a, another uh, challenge, <coughs> a stake, that whoever lost in this game, they will have to go to the forest, renounce the kingdom, go to the forest for 12 years and one year they should remain incognito. Hmm. They should not be discovered. 
If they get discovered, then again they will have to go for 12 years and again one year incognito. So they accepted and the game was uh, proceeded and Yudhishthira again lost. When Yudhishthira lost, they accepted this defeat and they were ready to go. And there, Dhritarashtra promised them that uh, we are, uh, this Duryodhana will only be a trustee of your kingdom. After 12, 13 years after all this thing is fulfilled, when you come back, you will get your kingdom back. As you have come now, you can just take that kingdom and go away. This was the promise given. So Yudhishthira and all went to the forest. Twelve years they stayed. These twelve years they stayed there. They knew that even after this, when we go back, we will not get the kingdom. But they were following the path of dharma. That they have given some promise, they have to fulfill that promise. Even though it is difficult, they have to follow this sincerely. During these 12 years, Arjuna and all acquired a lot of, a lot of weapons from the Devatas also. Bhima and all, they, he acquired special blessings from even Hanumanji he met and got blessings from Hanumanji. Yudhishthira went for a special coaching classes to learn the tricks of dice and he became undefeatable. He learned specially because they tried to destroy all their weaknesses. That tomorrow if I am challenged, I should know how to win. So all these 12 years they spent also in satsang because during that time they became very friendly with Bhagwan Krishna also. Krishna was also very fond of them. So they used to spend a lot of time in satsang. Just like how we spend time in satsang, they used to have lot of discussion on various aspects of philosophy and life. Twelve years they stayed in the forest. One year they stayed in uh, hiding with, uh, in the kingdom of Virat. So they were not discovered. Duryodhana tried to frantically find where they were, but they were in disguise and hiding. And one year they could remain there and they were not discovered. So after the completion of these 13 years, they came back to Hastinapur and they said, give back our kingdom. Dhritarashtra was there, so give back the kingdom. Duryodhana said, no, we won't give. And uh, everyone told him that this is not pro proper, you have to give. Bhishma Pitamaha said, Dronacharya, all the elders, they told him that this is not right. You have to give back the kingdom because it's the promise which you have given and it is not proper to take away somebody's wealth like that. But he did not listen. Even Krishna Bhagwan went there as a, as a, as what? Ambassador discussing and negotiating. He tried all the different scheme of negotiation, samadana, different ways. Finally, even Krishna suggested that you just give five villages to them. Forget about the entire kingdom. These five brothers are there. Give five villages. Because they did not want to fight and unnecessarily create uh, enmity 
So five villages you give. They said, no. Finally they came down to, they said, you give them five houses in DLF or somewhere. Five houses you can't give? Duryodhana said, no. I will not give even a land which can be kept on a tip of a needle. That much land also will not be given. So then this became too much. It was total adharma, unrighteousness. Snatching somebody's wealth and behaving in this way was not proper. So this Pandavas decided to fight this war and take back their kingdom. Fight for the sake of righteousness. Because when we don't fight against unrighteousness, the unrighteousness grow. Not to oppose unrighteousness is as good as following unrighteousness only. <coughs> so the teaching of Bhagavad Gita is to remain firm on the path of righteousness and fight against unrighteousness. As our Pujya Gurudev used to say, active resistance to evil, not tolerating evil, not just accepting evil, active resistance to evil, because that evil will destroy you and destroy the entire world slowly and steadily. It's like in our body, if some disease enters, we can't just accept, you have to fight. You have to take whatever medicines required and drive those things out of the system. You cannot say, no, no, they are uh, simple, bacterias are there. They just want to remain in your intestine and some in your other organs. No, no, no. You have to throw them out. For the welfare of the body, it has to be done. Similarly, for the welfare of the society, for the kingdom, one has to fight this unrighteousness. So, this war became imminent. It became necessary. So, both the Pandavas, Kauravas started accumulating uh, their friends and all their allies together to fight this war. Duryodhana, he went, he met so many people and they made him, them fight with him. Pandavas also. Pandavas, during these 12 years, they had, uh, their, all these brothers had married the different, uh, this uh, uh, prince from, uh, princess from various kingdoms. So they had also developed great allies with various uh, kingdoms, neighboring kingdoms. So they had powerful allies. And Duryodhana being a king for a long time, he was also equally powerful. So they generated, they made their friends come and uh, join their army. Duryodhana and uh, Arjuna also decided to approach Lord Sri Krishna. Lord Sri Krishna was in his place. Duryodhana came there and Bhagavan Krishna was sleeping at that time, lying on his bed. So Duryodhana, he came and sat near his head. There was a seat, so he sat comfortably there. Arjuna came after some time, and he was sitting near his feet. Bhagwan Krishna opened his eyes and he looked. First he saw 
Arjuna. He said, Arjuna, you have come. Why have you come? Duryodhana said, I have also come. And then he came to know both of them have come for the same reason. So he said that I can't be fighting with both the sides. So I will do one thing. I have a great army, Narayani Sena. My army will fight from one side and I will be on the other side. But I will not fight. I will just, if you want, I will give some advice and all. But I will not fight. So this is the two. He divided it into two, these parts. A huge army with all the weapons and everything. And I on another side. You choose. And he said that since Arjuna is younger and I saw him first, let him choose. Duryodhana was getting a little nervous. He said, what is this now? I hope he chooses something wrong. <laughs> and Arjuna said that, oh Krishna, you be on my side. Duryodhana, thank God. You be on my side. Because if you are on my side, then I have no worries, no problem. He chose Bhagwan Krishna. And Duryodhana chose the entire army. So the war became necessary, <coughs> the date was selected, the place was selected as Kurukshetra. Kurukshetra is a place where the forefathers, the Kurus, they had performed a lot of rituals, even the Devtas used to perform the rituals. It's a very holy place near Delhi only, even now this place is there. And that place had a... Vardhan, that whoever dies in that place will go to Swarga only. So they chose that battlefield as Kurukshetra and the war was about to begin. All the, all the armies, they assembled there. Uh, on the Kaurava side, there were 11 Akshahoni Sena. That is the uh, figure. <coughs> See, each army, they had uh, a number of chariots, elephants, horses, and the, the soldier, foot soldiers. So, uh, the Kauravas, they had 11 Akshahoni Sena. Each Akshahoni has uh, about 21,000 chariots, 21,000 horse, uh, I mean, elephants, about 65,000 uh, uh, horses, and about a lakh foot soldiers. That is one. Such 11 units they had. And the Pandavas, they had 7 units. See, in Mahabharata you will find that the figure 18 coming again and again. 18 Akshahuni Sena fought. 18 days the fight happened. 18 chapters of Bhagavad Gita. So many times the figure 18 comes. The mystical number 18. So, the war was about to begin, both the Senas. On the Kaurava side, Bhishma Pitamaha was the commander-in-chief. On the Pandava side, Drishtad Jumna was the, uh, was the leader-like commander. Hmm. See, the very interesting uh, psychology. On Kaurava side, there was, though the number was large, lot of weaknesses were there. First of all, only Duryodhana wanted this war. Nobody else wanted to fight this war. 
but out of compulsion and all they agreed to fight then each one of them the main uh, uh, warriors of kauravas they had their own hidden agendas they were not together they had their own personal agendas and they had their own personal reason also to fight bhishma pitama said that i have a, a vow that to protect the kingdom so i will fight then he also put a condition that i will not kill these pandavas i will not kill pandavas then he also declared his secret that if the shikhandi comes in front of me i will not fight see you cannot declare such secrets you know but he declared dronacharya he also said i will not kill pandavas he also declared his secret that if i drop my weapon i will be killed otherwise if weapon is in my hand nobody can kill me others karna was there he also had his personal reason to fight he had a great hatred for arjuna and all then other members were there and all of them they had enmity against each other also karna and bhishma pitamaha could not stand each other dronacharya did not like that duryodhana and all so everyone had that little undercurrent in them but in case of pandavas all of them they had great regard for yudhishthir and for krishna because they knew they were following the path of dharma they had this regard that dharma is something which is good for everyone when you follow the path of dharma it is good a welfare for all involved all who are concerned so they had great regard for them they had a unity hmm and they fought with lot of zeal and lot of enthusiasm and they knew what they were doing was right so the positive strength was there on the side of the pandavas this war happened and 11 i mean the 18 days the war was fought and after this all these kauravas got defeated and the pandavas remained and they won and then yudhishthir became the king yudhishthir ruled the kingdom for some time for many years and then the kingdom was given to the son to parikshit and all these pandavas they went on swarga rohan that also i will tell later sometime so this is the background of this mahabharata in which this bhagavad gita is being revealed arjuna had come to the battlefield the war was about to begin and this was a righteous thing for arjuna to do as a warrior as a kshatriya it was his duty to fight against adharma no it was not something personal it was not a fight for a kingdom it was not fight for pleasure it was not fight for some name it was fight against adharma to maintain dharma so when arjuna came on the battlefield 
he is uh, he requested bhagwan krishna to bring his chariot in between the two armies he wanted to see before the fight begin he wanted to see both the sides objectively that is the nature of a wise person before starting uh, an action or taking some important decision you have to evaluate the situation from a neutral zone so remaining in between the two armies he wanted to see the whole situation so bhagwan krishna being a charioteer ha huh, arjuna requested him that you be my charioteer so bhagwan krishna he took the chariot in between the two armies and he took the chariot right in front of bhishma and dronacharya so bhishma and dronacharya was standing in front of him and he as a child he had seen them all the time and learned from bhishma pitamaha and learned from dronacharya and his gurus and they had such serene face actually they didn't have anger against this pandavas they had blessings in their eyes for arjuna for pandavas though they were fighting from the other side because of their own compulsion so when arjuna came right in front of dronacharya and bhishma pitamaha and looked there he got totally shaken up and the massive army which he saw on both the side his own relatives and friends he got totally nervous and he did not know he felt that now this war will begin and everyone will get killed is it is it proper to do this is it proper it's like a uh, like that uh, when you go to a doctor the first thing the doctor should do is diagnose the patient properly and give some simple medicines if required and if nothing works then finally they decide to do the operation hmm if nothing works and when the patient is lying on the operation theater bed and the doctor comes there and he has been given the anesthesia and half the belly is open that time the main surgeon says that why am why are we doing this operation what is the use we will lose so much of blood and all and if he says like that that is the end of the patient similarly here also arjuna when the war was about to begin he said why should we fight this war what is the use of this war he got confused regarding his duties and he got confused regarding his uh, even the his nature that what who am i and what is this whole thing what is this life what is that he got confused regarding the essential nature of human beings and in this state of confusion he became absolutely sorrowful grief stricken and in this state of grief arjuna surrenders to bhagwan sri krishna he says that dharma sammoda chetaha shishyasteham shadimam tvam prapannam that i am thoroughly confused regarding dharma please teach me please guide me 
please tell me what is right and what is wrong. What should I do? And to such a confused Arjuna, to such a dejected Arjuna, Bhagwan teaches this Bhagavad Gita. Hmm. So this is the background. Hmm. Now one may wonder that, okay, Bhagwan taught this Gita to Arjuna. What about me? What it had got to do with me? If we analyze this whole situation of Arjuna, we will find that our situation also is similar. Our sorrow or pain which we experience in this world is generally experienced because of some confusion or other. And this confusion is broadly two types. One is confusion regarding my own identity. Who am I? What exactly is my identity? And another is confusion regarding my duties. What should I do? These are the two confusions which are there, which every one of us, we experience in our life at different stages, but we get temporarily satisfied, but we experience it. All of us, we have formed our an image about ourselves. Every one of us, we have a particular image about ourselves. We can call it a self-view, an image about ourselves. This image is created by our upbringing, our education, our society, our experiences of life, uh, by our friends, our relatives, we create an image about ourselves. Right from our childhood, people start creating images about oneself and about others also. Images about gender also. That you are a girl, you are a boy, you should behave like this. Boys should not do this. Images about a particular khandan also. Thakur ke gharane ke You should not behave in this way. This is not done. This is done. Hmm. So different images we have about ourselves. And this, all these images are created by our various concepts. And based on these images, we have idea about what is my duty or what should I do. And based on this image of ourselves, we interact with the world interact with different people. This is very important. Our self-view determines how we interact with the world and how we, uh, what you call, uh, respond to the various experiences of our life. When I have a very poor and a very low self-image, that I am like that only. That all these sorrows which come in my life is because of my past karmas. That I am a useless fellow. That I have done lot of wrong things in my life. An image about myself that I am a very negative, very low, very shameful person. Huh? Then if that image is there, then I will always be 
looking at the world with little fear. Then I will look at God with also with fear, that God must be seeing that I am doing all garbage. He must be very angry with me. So even God image is very frightening for me. God must be a figure who is out to punish me. So three things. Yesterday also I told you three things. Today let me tell another three things. So three, three, karke, aista aista hum padai karenge. Aista aista you have to study this whole Bhagavad Gita. All of you should come regularly and study. Not only now this time for a week, but every month for one week. Three things we have, which again we, uh, is transformed by the study of Bhagavad Gita. What are the three things? Self-image or self-view, world-view and God-view. Hmm. Simple things. As I said, all of us, we have certain image about ourselves, created by our upbringing, education and all. And based on that image, I respond to the world. Some, and most of the time, these images are falsely created, uselessly created by tradition and by various factors. Hmm. Sometimes the, or even a person goes to a special course to get a new image. Suppose a person has got a very negative or a very uh, lack of uh, proper confidence, then he goes to the, some special training. Then they teach you how to sit, how to shake hand, how to look into the eyes of the other person and speak with confidence and all the time say to yourself, yes, I can do it, do it, yup. So it's the image building. Huh? So you go through various training and all. Every day you repeat certain things to yourself. Read certain dialogues and the speech of some prominent people. And create an image of yourself. After the training when that fellow comes home, the family members fail to recognize it. <laughs> So, image. Hmm? So, world gives an image to us. Also, this different type of, um, what you call, uh, uh, this profession or my personality or whatever. Different images is there, are created. And also, I have a different image about the world in which I live. Is the world a school? Is the world a college? Is the world a battleground? Is the world my friend? Is the world my enemy? Is the world a place where I can be at home? Is the world I should be always very alert? Is the world like a forest where somebody will jump on me anytime and destroy me? Is the world full of people, cutthroat competition? Is the world filled with good people? Is an image. Again, a story is there in Mahabharata where Duryodhana and Yudhishthira goes on a world tour. And when they come back, they were asked that how is the world? What did you see? 
Duryodhana said, this world is full of corrupt and useless people. They tried to cheat me everywhere I went. Lucky I was very smart. I cheated them. But useless people, uh, I tell you all, people are bad in this world. When Yudhishthira came, he was asked the same question. He went to the same world. He asked, how is the world? He said, beautiful. Such genuine goodness I saw everywhere. People are so kind, so loving. He saw with a different eye. His world view was different. So each one of us, we have created, again, because of our upbringing, because of our education, our schooling, and all those things, a type of world view. If that world view is not positive, if that world view is not holistic, then that world will always give me sorrow and pain. It seems to give me sorrow and pain. This, are, this is the two. And the third, each one of us, we have a certain God view. Whether you have attended any script, uh, this satsang, whether you have studied any philosophy, each one of us, when we are born in a particular community, community in a particular uh, country, we develop, or a particular religion, we develop a God view. And in India, with our Hinduism, we have variety of God views. Each one of us will have their own private, special God and image. When you think of God, each one of us will have our own image about God. Some will have the image about God being up in the heaven somewhere and he is like a judge looking at us, checking what we are doing. Entering each and every field wherever we are. So he is like a judge. Somebody may have an image that God is a, a person who punishes. Somebody may have image that God is like a, 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 what you call, impartial. That whatever good I did, he gives me the result. Bad things if I do, he punishes. Somebody else may have an image that God is like our friend. He is kind, he is compassionate. I can be free with Bhagwan. Somebody may have the image that God is my own self. He is not different from me. So each one of us, we form an image of God. See, even those who don't believe in God, they also have some image about God whom they don't believe. Everyone has got some image about God. One atheist was, uh, he came back from, uh, after giving a talk on atheism. So his friend asked him that, uh, how was your talk? He said, by God's grace, it was wonderful. (laughs) It was superb. (laughs) So, our God view, self view, self view means not only whom, who, what I consider myself to be, but what is my view about my life, my death, about uh, my actions, about why I am unhappy, why I am happy, what gives me happiness, what gives me unhappiness, all this is inclusive in self view. 
why I become uh, or why I gain certain things, why I lose certain things in life. So various types of things about myself, about the world and God. Arjuna also, he had his own self-view. That I am a Kshatriya. I am, a, I am born in this particular family and all. He had his own world view and he had his own God view. But it was somewhere not complete. It was lacking in something. His self view was incomplete. His world view was not proper, holistic. His God view was totally confused. So Bhagavad Gita, when we study it, it refines, it makes our these views proper. After studying Bhagavad Gita, you will have a proper self-image. Whatever be your outer situation, you will come to recognize the beauty of your own personality, the beauty of your own self. It's most fascinating actually. After studying Bhagavad Gita, you will have a positive, holistic self-view. After studying Bhagavad Gita, you will have a proper, realistic world view. Realistic world view. Bhagavad Gita doesn't teach us to remain in some dream world. Bhagavad Gita teaches us the real world, how to face the different challenges. Therefore, again I say, the Mahabharata is taken as a canvas to paint this picture of Bhagavad Gita. Bhagwan Krishna tells Arjuna to fight this war. He doesn't say that you give up this war and meditate and I will teach you some mantra. Okay, chant after me. Om. Nothing like that. He says you fight this war. So, and Bhagavad Gita will give us proper God view. Otherwise, there is so much fear in people's mind about God also. At times, we keep so many images in our uh, this uh, puja room and get frightened of them. Ne? First, we start with one image. Then our friend brings another Tirupati image. Then somebody says, oh, this is a very beautiful Krishna I found. I bought it for you. So that is also kept there. Then this is, uh, I went to that uh, uh, Varanasi, I brought the Shivalinga for you, and then that is also kept. And somebody, Hanumanji also is there, then Durga Mata is also there, then uh, some other South Indian, Ayyappa Bhagwan is also there, and Kartikeyan is also there, and some other uh, difficult names also Bhagwan is there, and you keep them. Many times after, when you are given that, they tell you who that Bhagwan is, but afterwards you forget the name. You keep looking at them, but you don't know who this person is. But anyway, you have to show the Agarvati to him also. <laughs> then you show this. Then you show this. That is the unfortunate part of this God view. Even though our country is so rich and the great philosophy is there, the confusion is there in our mind about the nature of God. There's confusion in our mind about nature of the world and confusion in the mind about our own nature. These confusions are re removed when we study Bhagavad Gita. Arjuna is made just a nimitta. Through Arjuna, all of us are given 
this beautiful message. So let us chant again the first verse. Om Shri Paramatmani Namaha Ath Prathamodhyayaha Dhritarashtra Vacha Dharmakshetre Kurukshetre Samaveta Yuyutsavaha Mamaka Pandavascheva Kimakurvata Sanjaya Together Dharma Kshetre Kurukshetre Kamaveta Yuyutsavaha Mamaka Pandavascheva Kimakurvata Sanjaya uh, Bhagavad Gita begins by salutations to Paramatma, Om Sri Paramatmani Namaha, Prathama Adhyayaha. It begins with a question by Dhritarashtra. So Dhritarashtra asked this question on the 10th day to Sanjaya, that, oh Sanjaya, that what did my sons and the Pandavas, Pandu's son, Pandavas, when they, sons means along with the army and all, when they assembled on this great uh, place, Kurukshetra, which is a Dharmakshetra, which is a very holy place, Dharmic place, but they had assembled there to fight Samaveta Yuyutsavaha, Kim Akurvata Sanjaya, what did they do? With this question begins the whole Bhagavad Gita. Sanjaya first describes what Duryodhana did. He tells about Duryodhana because Dhritarashtra was interested more on about Duryodhana. It's very beautiful, the psychology you can see. Sanjay first begins by telling about Duryodhana. Slowly he moves the uh, subject from Duryodhana to Dronacharya, to Bhishma Pitamaha, and then he comes to Bhagwan Sri Krishna and Arjuna. And once he comes there, he remains there till the end. For a blind person, for a person who is attached, if you want to teach Bhagavad Gita, start from where he is. For people who come to listen and all, start from their own story about themselves, about their grandchildren, and slowly take them to Bhagavad Gita. So here also, Dhritarashtra first heard about Duryodhana, then he heard about Bhishma, Dronacharya, but then his attention was shifted to Arjuna and Krishna, and the beautiful dialogue between Krishna and Arjuna was revealed to him. So what exactly is this dialogue that we will see as we go along? So we'll conclude now with a prayer. Please close your eyes and we'll chant Om three times and pray.
ಮದಪೂರ್ಣಮಿದ ಪೂರ್ಣಾತ್ಪೂರ್ಣಮುದ್ಯತೆ ಪೂರ್ಣಸೂರ್ಣಮೇವಶಿಷ್ಯತೆ ಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿ ಹರಿ ಓಂ ಶ್ರೀ ಗುರುಭ್ಯೋ ನಮಃ ಹರಿ ಓಂ 